Trading Nut, episode 78. I don't even know how many times I emptied my account. Put like 100 in, 200 in, a couple hundred in, and just every time I thought it was it was going to be the time that I made it, and it, it never was. I just didn't have the experience or the knowledge. And then I think about a year, a year in, I met... Uh, the market's going to do something. Your job is not to fight it. The market never, ever runs away. It's always there. That personal diary of trading will make you a much better trader than... I could be right about the direction, but wrong about the trade. Don't focus on the monetary side. Trying to make too much money on a trade is what I have seen killed every trader. Your losses offer you some of the greatest insight you can find into your mistakes. Relax. Learn the process. Candlestick pattern trading is a freaking trap. Don't be in a rush to become a millionaire. Let the market tell you what the market wants to tell you. This podcast is not financial, trading, or investing advice of any kind. What's up, traders? Welcome to another installment of the Trading Nut Podcast. I'm your host, Cam Hawkins. And today we've got Paul Widener on the show. Now, Paul is a currency trader from the US. Uh, he first attracted my attention when I saw his Instagram profile and the way he posted his trades. He, he'd give you like the wins and losses in big, fat, sort of bold text with the with the pip amount, which I thought was fantastic. Another guy, another listener of the show, recommended I get Paul on. So here he is. He's a bodybuilder. He's from the US. We're going to get him on the show in just a second. But before we do, I want to dedicate this episode of the Trading po- Trading Up podcast to a good minor mate, a good mate of mine that passed away earlier this week. His name's Scott Johnson. We called him Joseph or Jose. I don't know why we came up with that name. He'd been a mate. He's been a mate for a long, long time. Like I, we grew up together in the same neighborhood. He was like a neighbor of mine. You know, two doors away. Uh, four, five years old, we would have first met, and uh, you know we were, we had a great time growing up, and then even now I still see him. We went away to Auckland earlier this year. Um, he helped me out, sort my PC out just the uh, through lockdown, um, and tragically passed away at the beginning of this week, and we we still don't know why. One thing I want you listeners out there to take away from Scott's life is this guy lived the life he wanted to live. He didn't let anyone dictate it. So guys, please, if there's anything you can do today, after listening to me talk about my mate, Scott Johnson, please live the life that you want to live. Rest in peace, Scott. I love you, man. Right, guys, let's get on with the episode. All right, folks, we've got Paul Widener here on the show from Trading with Paul. Paul, welcome to Trading Up Podcast. How are things over there in uh, Michigan, Wisconsin? Wisconsin, yeah. Wisconsin, yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, things are they're pretty good. Gyms are starting to open up, and uh, just ready to get out of the house a little bit. Yep, yeah, we we all are. We sort of uh, if you guys have been following along these shows, we, we have done quite a few recordings within the lockdown period. We hopefully by the time you listen to this, we are well and truly out of any kind of lockdown, and this virus is, is out of the out of the way. Um, we I've just gone back to to sort of a normalish, more more normalish life. Uh, when I say that, it's just you can go to shops and stuff. It's weird. My my wife had to get taken to the toilet in a restaurant on Friday night. So like <laughs> from the table, had to be walked to the toilet and put your hand up and say, I want to go to the toilet. <laughs> and they come oh, and walk God. you to the toilet. Wow. It's stupid. We've, and what? We've had one case, one case, not even a death, in the last probably 10 days or something like that. So... Yeah, it's just odd. Anyway, um, we're not here to talk about that. Uh, we want to find out all about your trading. And um, 
Do you want to start by giving us your, your story, your background, how you got started in it and uh, where you're at now? Yeah, so I'm 25 now. I started almost two years ago, so that would have been 23. <clears throat> My buddy John actually introduced it to me. We were both doing, like, uh, we were both Ubering and working out and stuff. And then he showed me this guy on Instagram who was trading, and uh, he paid for his course. And I was like, I feel like it's kind of like a pyramid scheme. It's not really real. Maybe it's a scam. Uh, so I let him do it to test it out first. And then come to find out, it's a very real thing. And then uh, I joined his thing as well. And then we kind of just started learning together. And um, it took about a year or so to fully kind of learn it and whatnot. Um, but I mean, once we once we got into it, it wasn't really that that complicated. It was just about keeping it simple and stuff. And so, thinking about all that sort of that journey that you've had, I mean, it was two years condensed into a couple of sentences. I mean, I'm sure there would have been some ups and downs and and um, moments along the way. I mean, how did I suppose first of all, like it sounds like you know you've, your your friend's gone onto Instagram, he's found somebody who trades. I've heard this story a million times, right? And a lot of people will, you know, they, they'll find the wrong person. Why, why do you think this person, and I don't know if you, you're happy to, to mention who it is, um, is, you know, you happen to be the one that was able to teach you something that actually worked? So I think for me, it would have been a little easier than normal people. Um being a bodybuilder that takes a lot of like discipline and consistency and it actually translates into trading really well too. So when we started, um, his name's D Gibby and he is really good friend to this day. Um, he really got me started and introduced into it. And just like anyone, when I first joined, uh, I just wanted to make a lot of money super quick, stop Ubering, quit my job. And I was like, yeah, three to four months, this would be, this would be a big thing. I'll be doing it full time, making tons of money. Uh, didn't end up being the case at all, actually. And then uh, I think about six months, seven months in, started to get a little better. Uh, lots of ups and downs with it, though, on the way. I think I, I don't even know how many times I emptied my account. Put like 100 in, 200 in, a couple hundred in, and just every time I thought it was it was going to be the time that I made it, and it, it never was. I just didn't have the experience or the knowledge. And then I think about, <clears throat> it was like a year a year in, I met uh, met and found Raquel on Instagram, uh, which don't lie. And then um, I was kind of coaching some friends at that time as well. So I joined into his group um, to help me uh, as like a mentor and help me with my own trading as well. And he really taught me a lot about like risk management, um, candle reading, uh, stuff like that, and risk. That was really important too, to really get to actually start making some progress to turn this uh, dream into a reality you could say and so during this whole sort of time were you still uber driving yes i was um it was about 11 months in i stopped uber driving and i was just trading full-time um trading and coaching and it was i was making money but it wasn't as consistent as i wanted it to be it was like one month would be really good and then like a bad week and then bad couple of weeks and then finish the month out kind of good. It just wasn't where I wanted it to be. I really wanted to get to like consistently making something at the end of every week that would at least cover my bills as a start. And it just was, it just wasn't consistent enough. 
And so, so how did you get from that inconsistency to consistency? Uh, I think perspective and journaling my trades was definitely the game changer for me. Because I never really, I would just lose, get mad, not look at why I lost and stuff like that. And then once I joined like Raquel, met Ted, Monty and all of them, um, really starting to understand the importance of the losses and how to benefit from them. Uh, and then I started uh, Trello, a uh, little account and started journaling all my trades there. And it really, really started to progress from that point. And what do you mean by when you say, you know, perspective was the other thing? So journaling was one and then perspective. Yes. What does that mean? So like when anyone starts trading, I think they just want to make a ton of money really fast. And I think it's going to be a couple months, maybe six month journey. And understanding that it's not always like that. There might be a few people who have done that, which is great. But I think for the most of us, it's it's about a year to really learn it, understand it, develop those skills you need to do it, and then uh, just implement them. And you really need to just understand, like, just because you didn't make money like this week, by the end of next year, you'll probably be where you want to be. And just kind of not rush things is what I mean by perspective. And so, I mean, there's a couple of things in here. What about your What about your friend? Did he carry on, and is he sort of alongside you with doing what you're doing, or did he give uh, up along the way? Um, the last time I talked to him, I believe he was still trading. Um, and I mo- I moved away from where he was living, so we kind of drifted a little bit. But the last I talked, I believe he was still trading. Uh, I'm not sure what he's doing at this point now, though. Okay, and so so you talked about this. Um, D. Gibby guy, and mm-hmm. so that was where you first learnt to learn about the markets and learnt to trade. I mean, was there anything in particular with the style that he teaches that you sort of resonated with more more so than anything else out there? Um, the the one thing he uses on his entries is like uh, the higher the lower the candle, which is the same style I use, but I do it on like a different different time frame with different um like style you could say but that really i implemented that into my like plan that i trade now and it's it's really really good so i still i still talk to him uh pretty frequently and whatnot but that's definitely what i took from him for sure so so he sort of gave you the 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 bones of a strategy that you could then work with and wickstone lie he he came in and helped with the, more of the mindset side of things. Is that how it, how it tended to work and, and possibly a bit of the, the trading? Yep. Yeah, I mean, Rukil helped with everything, to be honest. And Gibby just gave me that, like, good introduction. And then once I went over to Rukil, I kind of absorbed everything from him. And then more recently, I added in that, um, like, my new entry, that new higher low from Gibby from the beginning. Okay, and in the introduction, just so I, I just want to sort of get a good idea of you know of what this good introduction looks like. You know, for somebody who's able to go from from zero to you know a year, seeing some you know massive changes and good improvements versus somebody who's been knocking around for years and years. What do you think? What do you think that this this first course helped you get over that hurdle and made you, I suppose, get to the point where you weren't strategy hopping? and wanting to find out more and more, because you can find out infinite amount of stuff in this industry. I mean, why did you decide that, you know, this is enough for me to get on with it? 
Um, I mean, the way he taught it was pretty straightforward. He was very, he was more hands off than I probably would have liked in the beginning, which actually I think benefited me longer term because it allowed me to, or it forced me to kind of do it on my own and not rely so much on copying him or doing exactly what he's doing, which I definitely tried to do in the beginning and learned that that's not the way to do it. But I think his more hands-off approach was really beneficial for me longer term, just making me kind of have to do it on my own kind of thing. And then when I need help, go to him, but not just being coddled or, or nurtured the whole time, I think was helpful. And so, so what did the days look like for you as an Uber driver? You were, you know, how did you get in front of the chart? How did you, how many hours were you doing to, to try and perfect this? So I get up and start trading from like 5.30 when Rokio started the live stream till about 8.30, 9 a.m. Central Time. And then I would either go to work for like four to six hours or go to the gym right away and then go to work after. And then um, whichever one I did, I would go back to work after the gym then and then come home and do some more studying on the charts and wake up and do it all over again. It was very structured and simple. And so so that might have given you maybe six to to eight hours a day in, the, in front of the charts or, or longer? Um, I mean, it's about three to four in the morning. And then you could say a couple hours of studying in the evening whenever I got home and got done with the day, just trying to get ready for the morning and whatnot. Okay. And were you, what were you doing when you were at the charts? Were you literally looking at the live market or marking up charts or back testing? Uh, a little bit of everything. I was looking at um, trades to take trades I could have taken. And in the very beginning, I don't think I was doing it right because the way I do it now is so different than the beginning so I think it was just a matter of me just being in front of the charts, just observing and getting experience looking at it because nothing I really did back then I'd feel like actually benefited me now except the fact that I was there just putting in the time. And and what what uh, techniques were you using to, to see if, you know, like you're obviously going to be drawing something on the chart. You can't just stare at the chart. <laughs> yeah. So what, what sort of things were you doing on the chart to, to see reaction and, and see if that could have been a potential trade? Were you, were you trying to experiment and find your system, your style, or were you literally just sort of sticking to a style and, and testing it out and seeing if does that style work over, over time or, or not? Uh, so in the beginning, I was just looking at the chart and I was marking up supports and resistances um, on like the 30 minute and the one hour time frame and just waiting for candles to close above or below a break and then get one candle to retest. And then I enter after the retest. Uh, and the, looking back at it now, those, it was a good start, but none of the zones or anything I did um, really connected the dots for me in terms of what I needed to see on the chart, which was like now the way I do it, the highs and the lows are really just makes so much sense to me. And I never did that before. All I did was look at like the closes of the bodies and base it off of that with no like recollection to uh, a candle making a high to a previous or a candle making a low, maybe invalidating that bullish candle because it closed so weak, it's probably going to come down. Just little things like that that I learned along the way um, that kind of make it different than what I was doing back then. 
And, and I mean, looking at your Instagram now, you know, the good thing about uh, Paul's Instagram is that he, he shows in a quick visual the number of pips that were taken per trade. And, and the screenshots are really good, so go and check it out after the show. Um, but it's what, what I quite liked is the fact that, you know, you, you're showing that, you know, there seems to be quite a bit of consistency there around, you know, getting plus trades and, and, and making um, decent return. I mean, when did when did things really start to, to turn it up a gear for you? Uh, I think it was, it was a few months ago that it really started to just kind of jump into high gear. So that was when I started journaling everything on my Trello. Um, and really just, like, I'm a visual learner. And I feel like anyone who's a visual learner, the Trello is a huge, huge tool to that you should be using. But because it's just a simple little description of your trade, you get a picture of your trade and then a green or red mark if you win or lose. So it's super, super simple to go back and look at your trades. And it because it was so simple, when it was time for me to like the end of the week, time to go back, see how I did, see where I can get better. It wasn't like, oh, I got to go look at a journal and read through paragraphs and pages. Um, it was just look at a picture and a color and read the super short description and kind of see what happened throughout the week. So, for example, it was, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I was trading GJ and UJ. And um, I started trading it at the end of a week. And I took, I had two wins in a row. So I was like, okay, this is a pretty good pair. I'm going to add it into my plan and see how it goes. <clears throat> the next week, I started 0-4 for the week, and every loss was on UJ. So then at the end of the next week, um, I looked at it, and because I didn't trade UJ in the beginning of the week, and I looked at it, and I was like, I went 0-4 on UJ, and then had much better the next week by not doing UJ. So all I had to do was take UJ out of the plan and just stick with GJ, and that hasn't happened since. But the fact that it was just, I saw four little red marks because I lost four trades in the little um, Trello chart things they have. Um, I just saw four red things. I saw UJ was the one that I lost every time. So I was like, okay, maybe just get rid of UJ and see if something changes. And that little simple fix of like looking at the Trello for a minute or two, I was able to fix that issue. Cool. Well, yeah, somebody actually mentioned Trello as a, a nice way to journal uh this week in my chat so it's something i'm just definitely going to check out now definitely check out the trello I, i've tried to use it in the past and i really struggled but i'll give it another go um so you mentioned bodybuilding and discipline uh, i mentioned discipline just a few episodes ago and it was around doing like 100 push-ups in 100 days and sort of instilling that discipline in you which to me i sort of worked out that discipline was essentially that the root of everything when it all sort of distills down its discipline um discipline sort of can lead or leads to patience and consistency all those sort of things so if you can get the discipline down you can make massive massive head roads and, and gains so how did that how did that well i suppose the question is yeah how did it how did your discipline that you'd built with bodybuilding help with the trading and then or how did you notice it helping with the trading? And do you think people can build discipline like that by giving them, you know, through something like bodybuilding or something else, if they don't have discipline, that is? 100%. That's funny you say that because I actually had my coach come on the live stream last week um, for this purpose exactly. And um, But to your question, the um, discipline, I think, goes hand-in-hand hand with trading. So, like, when you're – like, if you're dieting for a bodybuilding show, right – 
um, you're only supposed to eat certain things. So you have to stay very disciplined and not eat anything off of your plan. Same thing when you're trading, you have a trading plan. You should only be there between whatever time you're supposed to be there and get off when you're done. Only looking at a certain pair you're supposed to look at, a certain setup. And when you see something that looks like it could be good, like in a trade, uh, if you see a trade you like, that looks good, but it's not your trade you're supposed to take. <clears throat> it's the same thing as like, if you see a donut you want to eat or a cookie, you just have to know not to eat it. Same thing, you have to know not to take that trade. So I think that really helps just having that attitude because like there's good food all over the place. Everyone, like when you're dieting, you, you just want to eat. You're always thinking about food, but you know you can't. So same thing when you're at the charts, it's just like you see all these cookies, but you know you just can't take it till you get your cookie kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great analogy. If anyone <laughs> is struggling with discipline, like please think about that. The the, the cookie donut uh, analogy. This is a donut <laughs> that I shouldn't be eating. Very good, brilliant. Um, now, what about uh, you mentioned? You know, hour thirty minute entries. Uh, what what are you doing now? What time frames are you looking at now? So right now, I'm looking at the fifteen minute and the thirty minute, and sometimes I do get in on the hourly, but typically. Um, it changes day to day. So on a, a slower moving day where candles aren't moving, they're moving like 10 to 15, 20 pips in an hourly candle. Um, those days are more than likely getting in on a 30 minute or an hourly. But if, if you've ever seen GJ, you know, sometimes it's pumping 15, 20 pips every 15 minute candle. Those are the days I'm dropping down to the 15 minute. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the reason is because of, um, I talk about a lot is my stop loss placement. So I like to use my stop loss on the current candle that's forming. So if candles are going down and a candle comes up, makes a top wick, and then comes down and breaks the low of the previous, I enter at that break and I put my stop loss on the wick that made because the idea is that previous candle made a lower low. The current one went up and made a lower high, you could say, and then it came down and broke that previous low, making a new lower low. So for the candle to come all the way back up and make a new high to that wicket made, it just doesn't make sense. Um, if that happens, you probably just want to be out of the trade and wait for another entry because <clears throat> you can then get your stop loss a lot smaller, which is going to allow whatever pips you're trying to gain. If you're taking it to a target, it's going to allow that to be more. So for example, if you used uh, like a previous candle as your stop loss, which I know a lot of people do, um, and that was let's say 10 pips and your target is 10 pips, that's one to one. But if that wicket made on the current candle is five pips and your target is 10 pips, you just made twice as much in the exact same trade and all you did was use better stop loss placement. Yeah, nice. I like it. And I mean, I've sort of tried to do that in the past or at least sort of thought about it. And what I've struggled with is how do you know when that top wick's been formed? What's the... What's the indicator? Because I mean, because because sometimes it can be formed like there can be a top wick formed, like straight away, and then it will come back and, and retest the ah oh, the open, but maybe not the low. Is that what the difference is? Ah, sorry, the close instead of the low or the yep. high. Yep. Ah, right. I think I see now. Yep. So sometimes, sometimes there's <clears throat> there's times where it doesn't make. Like if we're taking it down, there's times it doesn't make that top wick or it'll make a really tiny one. If it makes like, it'd be like a three pip stop loss. I'll just kind of give it a little room to breathe, put it at like five, just in case. 
But if it makes one and it looks like it's still small, I drop into the five minute and I just look at the structure. So if it wicked up and there's a five minute like resistance there that it kind of rejected off of, then I'll just put it above that resistance instead of on the wick um, and kind of just monitor it as it goes then. And talking about risk to reward, you, you, you know, it sounds like you're all over this stuff, right? In terms of you, you really understand it by moving your stop loss and you know essentially doubling the reward. I mean, what's your typical risk to reward? Mm, I'd say minimum. They're looking like two to one. So like that example, the five pips for ten pips, that yep. one happens a lot. But there's been plenty of times, even on the live stream, where it'll be a four pip stop loss, and we have a twenty thirty pip target. I mean, if you use the previous candle and that puts you at 15, 15 pips, risking 15 to target 20 to 30 or risking four to target 20 to 30, you pretty much need to win that one trade for the week and like you're good because it was so, so heavy in the reward section. So whenever, every time I'm entering a trade, I'm always focusing on, okay, where can my stop loss be? Where's my entry? Where am I taking it to? How many pips am I risking? If I see a trade that's like 12 pips for my stop loss, maybe let it go and wait for a better one. Because if I can get, even if you only get a five pip win, if you have a four or five pip stop loss, you still got a one to one. So once you hit that one to one, I always go break even on my trade. So like if I do have a four or five pip stop loss and it goes five pips, I'll probably secure some of it and go break even just in case the stop loss is too tight and it comes back and takes me out, then I don't lose anything and I can always re-enter after that. Uh, so you can re-enter that you'd re-enter the trade on a, on a, how would you re-enter the trade? I would just wait for another setup of the, the exact same setup we entered. If it came back, took me out and I didn't really secure like the daily percentage goal or whatever. Um, and I felt there was still enough time for another opportunity in my trading window, then I would just wait and look for another setup. Now, what about uh, winning percentages? How does that look? What do you mean? Uh, how many how many wins would you get uh, versus losses versus break evens? Oh, um, my win rate right now is about seventy five to high eighty percent. Depends on the week, but typically it averages minimum seventy five percent. Uh, my best week was like 93%. Um, so it's somewhere in between there for, for an average, probably in the 80%. If we're going to average it out. And that's excluding break-evens or including break-evens? Uh, well, when I go, so when I go break-even, I always secure something. So it uh, is a win no matter what. Right. It just, if the runner goes and makes me more, awesome. If not, I still made something and I didn't lose kind of thing. And are you, how much are you taking off the table when you're going break-even? Uh, about 85% right. is what I take off. Yeah. So yeah, it really is that, just sort of seeing if that run is going to run. Yeah, but it varies. So if if it's kind of a, if the trade's not moving as well as I wanted it to, and let's say my target was a two to one at like 10 pips, but it was just taking forever to get there, I'd probably secure that 85% sooner than letting it go just based on it not moving as well as anticipated just to protect the overall capital and not end up in a loss. And the the runner, so you mentioned two to one. Do you go any, any further than that? Do you like just let these things fly or not? Yeah. So if there was, 
if there was like 30 pips of clean traffic and that was like a five to one, uh, I would definitely be letting it run down for that. But it just depends on where I like to take it like zone to zone or looking at like the four hour or the daily where that can go. If there's like a wick to fill or some sort of support or resistance coming up that should give price an issue. I like to just take it to that area. So I use the four hour to really pick those targets um, and then either hold the position all the way to it or hold it part of the way to it. It just depends on how the market's moving that day. And what what would say you'd be your biggest uh, risk to reward if um, after you've gone break even you know, at one-to-one? <laughs> um, I don't know if you saw it on Instagram. I caught the 100 pips on GJ the other day. Last last week or two weeks ago? Yeah, I didn't see it. And I, and it was a four pip stop loss. So I don't know what R to R that is. I think it was like twenty, twenty to one, 20, or yeah, one something like yeah. that. Yeah. Actually, I think I did see it. Yeah, I think I did. Um, what about the? You know, you mentioned a couple of pairs that you're trading. Are you trading any more than that now? Nope. So I actually just stick to GJ now. Oh, right. Just just the one. Okay. Just the one. That's all I need. If I can win one trade on GJ every day, that's all I need. I don't need to look at a bunch of pairs. Because then, I mean, I feel like that depends on your personality. So for me, it's just easier to really focus in on one pair and just get really, really good at it. Because then that's going to build my confidence when I'm in my trades and just confidence in everything I do regarding my plan. Versus looking at a bunch of pairs kind of spreading it out and not really honing in on one pair to really just learn how that pair moves. So you'd be less confident looking at another pair um, for me. And so how many, do you have, have rules around how many trades you can take in a day on that one pair? Uh, so I'm allowed two trades in a session. Um, but if I don't, because I trade New York and Asian session. So if I skip New York session, um, I'm allowed three trades in Asian or vice versa. Okay, cool, cool. And how did you come up with those rules? Um, Rukil, actually. He always said one to two trades a day. <clears throat> and I realized after I take a third trade, and my emotions are not in check. The probability of my trade is not there anymore. And I need to just step away for till the next day and let it go as it is. Cool. And um, what? so what, is, what does that trading day look like for you then? Uh, like just an overall day when I get up? Yeah. Maybe not a lockdown day, which is probably a lot different. <laughs> yeah, the lockdown days have been pretty boring. But, I mean, I'm up at 5 a.m. Uh, trading with my group till about 8.30, 9 a.m. And then I would normally go to the gym, come back, uh, do any coaching or work I would have to do uh, or play some Xbox and just kind of hang out till the live stream at night. Cool. Yeah, pretty pretty relaxed and easy days. Um, I mean, that, that's how I like it. I like to enjoy life and do things when I want to do them or not do them. And um, that's why trading was, was so perfect because I can make my own schedule kind of thing. And the live stream would be another few hours. Is that how it works? Yep. Yeah. Live stream is five thirty to eight thirty Central Time. Sorry. That that was that the. Sorry, I'm getting confused here. So you did the five thirty to eight thirty in the morning. 
Yep. Then you did five five to eight thirty in the evening or five to eight in the evening. Yep. Yes. Sir. Ah, okay. Right. Yep. Cool. All right. Um, what else have we got here? So, I mean, we we sort of established that you know, discipline was big for you, and it's probably what made you different from other guys out there that are struggling. I mean, do you think there might have been anything else to oh, yes. it? Oh yeah. So I got really lucky um, with meeting Raquel, Ted, and Monty when I did because it was so early in my trading journey, and they just combined. Um, I think with the fact of me being a bodybuilder and having the discipline and consistency of I'm always at the charts, I'm always following my rules, I'm always trying to get better. Just like when you're in the gym, you're always at the gym, always eating your meals, always trying to get bigger, stronger. Um, and having them and their knowledge, I just absorbed it like a sponge. And it really, like Ted gave me perspective. Monty gave me like risk management and how important that is. Rakeel gave me a little bit of everything, or I should say a lot of bit of everything. And I just ran with it. And I think meeting them, if I wouldn't have met them, I would probably still be in a learning phase for sure. Cool. So I just got really lucky with the people I ended up surrounding myself with. And and do you think your, I suppose, because like, you know, everyone's different and some people will, will you know, probably get trained by them and, and go, oh, it's rubbish and all this sort of stuff. Um, I see it myself. Uh, it's just a mentality thing from people. I mean, what do you think made you different? Mm, you mean from like learning from them? Well, why why did why were you able to like go right? This is this is it. This is where these guys are going to be able to help me out and and accept what they were were teaching you versus like I suppose having an ego where you know you might be like going ah. Oh, well, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with this. You know, what was what was the thing that made it different for you? Uh, well, I mean, I feel like I'm a pretty humble person and I'm never going to really have an ego. So that was never an issue I had to overcome. And I'm, I've always been the type of person that likes to learn and get better. And them being at like my dream or my goal is where I wanted to get. So I had to just trust them that what they told me could get me there. And that was an issue in the beginning. Um, trusting them that uh, mostly Rakio as he was more, we were more hands-on day to day, that just trusting what he had to say was actually benefiting me and then actually doing it once he tells me to do it kind of thing. Okay, so if you're a, a another trader, you're working a day job, starting out, what steps would you say, here are the steps to, to become a successful trader? Oh boy. Um, I would say find someone who is where you want to get and try to just learn everything you can from them without copying. Be at the charts every day. Um, oof, this is a tough one. Uh, and if well, you want to. This, this make is the it, holy grail, so I mean, it, it, it should be tough. <laughs> Let's yeah. not get it wrong. Yeah, there's just, there's. There's just so many ways to do it. I think if you just showed up every day, you found a plan or strategy you liked, and regardless of how quickly you won or lost when you started it, if you just stuck to it and constantly tweaked it to make it better to get you where you want to go, I think if you do that long enough, you just eventually end up where you want to be. Because I'm I'm a firm believer in 
anyone can do anything for the most part. And if you have a dream and you want it, you just got to consistently work towards it every day and you'll get there. So same thing for me for trading or someone else that's very passionate about it like I am. If you want to do it, just keep doing it. And eventually you're going to figure out how to get there. Because when you, when you start, like even, even when I started, I didn't know what I was going to have to do to get there. I just knew I wanted to get there and I was going to do everything to get there. So then eventually as time went on, I was like, oh, I should do this or, oh, I should stop doing this. And then over time, you just learn all those things you need to learn and you end up at the end goal. Thinking about a price chart, what three things would you recommend a novice or intermediate trader educate themselves on? On like starting to trade? Uh, just, uh, yeah, if they're starting to trade or, or just three elements of a price chart that they could, somebody could go away and go, right, here's something I really need to, or I could really spend a good, you know, few days studying and, and just seeing how they move. Yep. I think the first thing is always trust the chart. Never, never look at it and try to trade it based on what you think is going to happen because the chart's going to tell you where price is going to go. 90% of the time, sometimes it's going to do what it wants, but 90% is more than enough to be profitable at it. Um, so I think that looking at candles individually, so highs and lows of candles, because if price goes down, candles are going to go lower than the previous candle. So I think looking and studying that is going to help a ton. And then the third thing is get a plan and stick to it and keep it super, super simple. So for me, my plan, I have two rules. I'm actually tweaking it as we speak. But the first rule is a four-hour bias. So I'm either trading with the previous four-hour going up or with the previous four-hour going down. And then my entry confirmation is always that new high or the new low to that previous candle. And when your plan is super consistent like that, that's going to get you consistent results. So that's really one thing I always preach is, simple plan and make sure you have a few rules that are just super consistent in every trade you take because then you're going to be either be winning almost every trade or losing almost every trade and then you just got to fix whatever those the issue is if you're on the losing side and thinking about a, a trader's mindset i mean do you have any special techniques you can share with us to obviously get a trader's mindset establish it in your head uh def- journaling your trades is definitely going to help because then you're going to see what you did every day, every week, every month. And then I think the trading plan, again, is just those few, I would say three max rules. Um, and just keep it small and simple. And then show up every day and do what your plan says. And eventually you're going to figure out what works and what doesn't. And I think that is going to be key to getting your mind right, you could say. Because a lot of people, when they take trades... Um, they're always thinking. They're like, eh, I think it's going to be this, or I think I'm going to be wrong, or something like that. But they analyzed it perfectly, and they're right. They're just not confident to take the trade and believe that they're right because um, they think the chart's going to go against them, even when it's telling them it's not. So I think doing those two things, the journaling and the super simple plan, go hand-in-hand hand with the mindset because – just that confidence in your trade and your analysis is what's going to help you get consistent too. It's funny you say that. I mean, it's 
and I don't know if this is going to help anyone out there, but I mean, I I had I, what I was noticing I would do is go through a plan, and then get to a, a losing trade, and then work out how to make that a winning trade, and then it's like I would constantly sort of go through it, and then it'll be like, hang on a sec, now I've got like twenty rules in my strategy to make every single trade a winning trade, and. I don't even know what the strategy work, how the, how it works. There were so many options that you could have could have taken. Mm-hmm. Then you've sort of opened up all these different doorways that you hadn't thought about. Um, and then it's like, why don't I just take the loss and then add that that is a loss in that plan? And it made such a massive difference. Just accepting the fact that that was a losing trade in that plan, and don't try and make it a winning trade. I don't know if that's going to help anyone out. I don't know what your views are on that. Yep. Yeah. So that was, that's like exactly what I was trying to say with like the trading plan, keeping it super simple. So mine has two rules, four hour rule for my bias and my entry confirmation is always the higher low. Every trade I take, there's no exceptions. So if I lose a trade, was it just the probability that I lost maybe, or was it one of my two rules? Did I enter at with my bias or did I not enter with the uh, higher low confirmation? If I traded against the bias, okay, that's why I lost. Don't do that next time. But if you have trend lines, support resistance, EMAs, you're waiting for your RSI to tell you whatever it's going to tell you, and like 10 other rules, well, now you have to look at every trade. And okay, you have 15 rules. Which one could have been the reason you lost? Or which combination of those 15 could have been the reason you lost? But if you keep it at like two to three, there's less variables to get you to that winning trade. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. I mean, the, the other one, the other, the other hiccup that I've found was seeing a big move, and your setup was almost perfect, but it wasn't quite perfect. And then adding a rule in to get that big move, and then realizing that you know three or four trades later, well, hang on a sec, that rule only applies for that one time that happened once, and mm-hmm. so it's having the sort of ability to go. The big move that I missed is something that's just, you know, it's just one of the things. It's just not my plan. And seeing, you know, it was close, but it wasn't the trade. It would have worked out, but it wasn't the trade. That's probably quite one of the sort of biggest discipline things I've, I think I've had to personally try and overcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally, I've definitely been there with you. And I think uh, in terms of those rules, you, I don't think you want them to be too strict. I think you want them to be, more lenient just because the market's different every day some days like i was saying earlier sometimes 15 minute candles are pumping 15 20 30 pips sometimes they're pumping four to five pips you have to adapt to what you're given that day but you still need rules to you still need structure and rules to keep you from doing something you shouldn't so i think if you have a bias where whatever that comes from four hour daily a one hour candle However you figure it out, I think you need a bias and then you need some sort of like last confirmation that's saying, okay, enter the trade. Um, Something like that. For me, it's that high or low. So once price like breaks below a previous um, like 15 minute bearish candle, I know price should more than likely head further. That's my confirmation to take it further down. Um, But whatever that rule is, I think just those two rules can really, really speed up the consistency process that a lot of people go through cool well, look let's um jump into the quickfire round i'm going to ask a couple of questions here just to to finish the show up uh so what 
do you have a recommended trading book or resource you would send people to? Uh, I'm not much of a reader, but I would say if you're looking to learn, I think the three live streams are going to be your best tool. And oh, the free live streams and what the free live streams from uh, Raquel and other ones. Monty and myself. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Cool. Yep. What's your preferred broker and trading platform? Uh, I have LMFX for my personal account. Love it. I use the zero account. Um, spreads are amazing. Withdrawals, everything is super smooth. And then I have the FTMO account, and the FTMO broker is also amazing as well. And if you could, oh, sorry, what was the, can you walk us through the worst trade you've ever had? Oh, yeah. So I was, it was in the beginning, and there was one time I took a news trade, and I made a thousand bucks in about a second. So it was like, okay, I'm only going to trade news. And then the next day, I took a news trade again. And as soon as the news hit, my entire account was just gone. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was. I've never. I haven't traded news since. It was. I was like, oh, I'm gonna make so much money, and then news hit, and my my like MT4 on my phone it froze a little bit, and I was like, uh oh, like did it did it hit take profit? Where'd it go? Because it went up and hit the take profit, but it came back down so quick, and then my account was just gone. Once it was right. over with, the account was gone. It was. It was. I was so mad. <laughs> Um, right, last question. Uh, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would that be? I would say if you really want to do it, don't don't quit or give up and don't blame the market like it's out to get you. I think you just need to either be all in or, or not do it at all. And if you're all in, just study and learn as much as you can. Um, and eventually I think you'll get there. All right, folks, we're going to jump over to the YouTube channel now and do a little video, walk through a chart. Paul's going to show us how it's all done. So, Paul, before we do that, what's the best way for traders to get hold of you? Uh, Instagram would probably be the easiest way, Instagram or YouTube. And Instagram is at paulwidener94. And just shoot me a DM. We can I answer questions all day long. So. Brilliant. Well, look, a big thanks for, to Paul for sharing with us today. Everything we've discussed here is going to be over there at tradingnut.com. Search for Paul in the search box. Uh, until next time, I wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. All right, folks, there you go. Interview with Scott Widener, done and dusted. Now, do remember to head over there to the tradingnut.com site. You'll be able to find the uh, video we shot after the show, which is going to give you some massive insight into how he sees the price charts. Folks, head over there. There's also, remember, there's strategies you can pick up as well. There's uh, mindset courses. There's funding options. There, there are my Robot Builders Club. So if you're looking to build robots or if you're looking to trade robots, you can check out my Robot Traders Club as well. Folks, a whole bunch of stuff over there, tradingnut.com. So please head over there. Uh, I'll see you on the next episode and also in that YouTube video. All right, folks, see you there.